Lockdown, a security podcast from Red Hat, recorded at Cloud Security Expo 2016. Sitting opposite me today, Cloud Security Expo at London Excel is Evelyn D'Souza. Evelyn has really blazed a stratospheric trail across the IT security landscape over the last three or four years. Her blog, if you haven't read it already, will educate you, enthrall you, and entertain you, and take you on a visionary journey across how to do IT security properly. It may not make you very popular with your CISO, but it may help you educate your CISO, or if you are a CISO, it may help you at least stay out of jail. Evelyn, good morning. Good morning, Richard. It's a wonderful introduction. Thank you. I have a lot to live up to now. Four years ago, three and a half, four years ago, you wrote an article called The Chaos Theory on your blog. It's time we did it justice. And if people haven't read it, uh, can they access your blog through the Cisco website? They can. Actually, it's on um, Wired Insights and also Cisco. So I have it in two places. And, you know, you've given me an idea of putting it back now on um, Cloud Tweaks, which is where I'm currently blogging. And what's your... Uh, Twitter handle? E underscore D'Souza. So people who want to follow you. So talk to me about chaos theory. So, you know, when you think about the 80s where we had a series of random events happening and people assigned chaos theory as a way to make sense of those random events, today when we have these events that happen in our security world, whether it be a denial of service attack, whether it be, you know, a, a new threat that's emerged into the landscape, IT security has two choices. One is they can essentially keep doing what they've been doing, which is thinking about security from an endpoint perspective and ignoring the already evaporated perimeter, or they can turn it on its head and decide to assign a new value to that and use data and identity as the new perimeter. But if you do that, how do you make it stick? How do you how do you how do you get the message across and actually educate those in a position of influence? Because if you think about it, the CISO now, a lot of the time CISOs don't touch security. They're, they're basically managing governance. They have their cybersecurity teams underneath them, who they then rely on in order to make sure that everything is aligned, that HIPAA, federal government audits, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are aligned. How do you actually make this stick? So two things. You know, one is I think. Um, there's the opportunity to be proactive versus reactive. So I'm going to start with the reactive world, which is where IT security is essentially chasing audits. Okay, They're going through the syndrome week after week, repetitive cycles, or essentially the framework is you start to think about compliance as an outcome of really good security. Now, the more you build that in, the more you're optimized, the more you're automated, the more you're employing some excellent processes that are integrated and seeing the two as being related, the more efficiencies you're going to gain, the more time you're going to be have to be proactive. A few weeks ago, sitting in California at the Moscone Center, we had uh, the Cloud Security Alliance Day preceding RSA conference. And one of the vocal things that came out of that was Gartner's definition of cloud access service brokers. And that led to further discussions across RSA conference. I think I did a podcast with Jim where Jim added you know, some, some value to it. But I think the chaos theory could actually be defined within CASBs. I so agree with you on that. You know that I think today we're seeing CASBs as an isolated security element. They're standing out by themselves. But I think that CASBs are essentially the data element and the identity part too. 
when I talk about you know turning security on its head, and that's what CASBs are fulfilling. But I also want to add to that another element. You know, today when we're talking about CASBs, we're talking about discovering data after it's left your enterprise and then putting controls around it. Mm-hmm. I think we need to go one step further and we need to start to think about taking a proactive measure and actually at the time data is created to start to think about putting security controls around it then and start to think about access management at the time of data creation. So you're talking about security by aspect of design. You're talking about it being at the point of creation. Absolutely. I think we need to think about it as a life cycle perspective. You know, I think too often we're still in that mode where um, back in the days when the enterprise was a hardened perimeter and data was essentially a static element, we're still treating data like that. But I think we need to start to think of it as having this life cycle where it will, over the course of its life cycle, not only change values, but who needs access to it will change. And we need to start thinking about it through that life cycle concept. But you've been quite vocal as well about things like the people having the right bring your own device policy when it comes to security. That then falls into that remit as well. It definitely does. I think we're thinking also about BYOD in a very limited way because I think today about BYOD beyond the device, what happens when that data on apps that are sitting on those devices has left the enterprise and has gone to the cloud? I don't think that, you know, I think that's why I'm beginning to think that we need to think less about the device, more about the data and more about, sorry, I'm sounding like a broken record because I feel like it's really quite simple. You know, if we think about identity and data far more, I'm not saying that we ignore everything else, but I just feel like that needs to come in far greater focus. So for the CISO who wants to corral his troops, who wants to encourage and try and get the best out of his security people, having a proactive stance is really going to help you get your gospel across, isn't it? Absolutely. And here's the other thing about it. You know, I think today, from the days when I started out in security today, we've essentially seen the position of IT security change a great deal. When I started out, IT security was so in charge. You know, they could make my life a living hell. You know, they had so much control. You know, with the advent of bring your own device and, you know, non-COE laptops being the norm now and people working from anywhere, I think IT security needs to find new ways to partner with the business. Now, one way to do that is to take a proactive stance and to actively partner with the business, find out what their needs are. And by putting these proactive controls around it, I think it gives the business greater confidence that their data is being you know, taken care of versus the reactive controls where they're still fighting control on the endpoints. I think that gives you a fighting chance of survival, especially when, you know, a lot of companies grow by acquisition. You know, when we when we get involved in merger and acquisition activities, it's how do we bring the people on board? How do we bring their culture across? How do we benefit from them? How do we not duplicate services? People forget about the data and the systems that they also inherit. And if this is invoked, at least they stand a fighting chance. I absolutely agree. And here's the new thing. We're seeing the rise of the chief digital officer, you know, and it's not just the chief digital officer, the chief data officer that's going to care about data. It's also the CIO. It's also a chief financial officer. Mm -hmm. And I think this gives IT a far more strategic um, platform. You know, if we're talking about threat management, the number of threats that have been prevented, I don't think that's a strategic message to the executive management of your company. But if we're talking about what data assets are proactively protected, was it done so in a way that was transparent to business users? That's a far more strategic message and a far greater value. I think also it allows you to do another thing, which is to be able to value 
your data and your assets as well with regards to risk. You know, I truly think that is so important, that point you brought out. Today, I think that in many industries, we don't understand the value of some of our data assets because if we did, we would probably take greater care around them. You know, it's often a retrospective act, so we've had an exfiltration take place or a breach that's taken place. That is often the starting point. You know, I've heard an IT security manager say to me, I'm just waiting for my data breach to take place. Then I can start to think about security proactively. And I'm like, really? But he, he doesn't want to work again then. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> it's great. I, I, I go to these conferences and you, and you look out the, the window of the room we're recording in now and there are seven and a half, eight thousand people here today and probably three thousand of them are the vendors. You know, and a lot of this is still fitting security by retrofit rather than thinking at the DevOps or ITOps level. You know, it's very interesting you should say that because as I'm walking around and I'm listening to the conversations that are taking place, I'm wondering if we have vendors that are often, if you will, coming down to where their audience is at rather than trying to lift their audience up to where they need to be. You know, when we've had people, and it's like any industry, when you've been in an industry for a long time, it's very easy to become entrenched in old habits versus keeping pace with a changing landscape. It can be pretty frightening for many people who've built their careers over a long term. And I think my message for vendors here today is to think about security far more strategically. And they can help do that by reading your blog. <laughs> Thank you. I love that plug. <laughs> Evelyn, thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Subscribe with iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast client now for more shows in our back catalog. Back catalog.